Welcome back to another episode of the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Mudgear Hannibal Race Pro, Evan Preparis. I got a guest with me on the line. Before we get to him, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a male grooming product, and they also make some uh, lotions and creams and deodorant, as well as body wash. I just picked up their all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra. Includes a couple of cool items in there, lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, uh, skin safe technology, so you don't, uh, you know, skin skin yourself while you're uh, while you're shaving. It's also waterproof and it's got a light on it as well. Pretty awesome product. Also included in that package is the um, what do you call it? The uh, nose hair and uh, ear hair trimmer. So another great product, kind of keeping you looking good. If anyone wants to order some stuff from Manscaped, you can get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Ultra OCR. At manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code ultra OCR. All right. Let's get to today's guest. Joining me, I have Anthony Dooley. Anthony, say hi. What's up, guys? Yeah. So Anthony's a uh, full time firefighter and an entrepreneur with Ablum uh, Martial Arts. He's an amateur MMA fighter with a record of two and one. He's got a black belt in Kempo Karate and has uh, done some wrestling in the past. And this past weekend, I got to watch him fight at Shamrock 352, where he won knockout of the night. So, first of all, huge congrats, Anthony. That was awesome. Thanks, man. Uh, a lot of anticipation coming up to it. Worked really hard for it, so it was good to get out there and to uh, be able to get out and, and go to work and show what I've got. Yeah, and you, I mean, you looked, uh, we'll post the video of the fight. I know they they released some of it online, um, or, or at least a highlight of it in the show notes down below, but... Uh, you know, yeah. watching from the crowd, I, I you look good. I, I, like I was watching, I was like, oh, do this, and you're like, oh, and you went right into it. You were transitioning between strikes <laughs> and submissions, and it was, um, yeah, it was really cool to watch. And uh, yeah, it sounded like you had a good crowd there supporting you because uh, when you came out, the crowd was going nuts. So, yeah, I got to hear from quite a few people. While I was there and talked to a lot of people, and I kept hearing throughout the night that I uh, seemed to have had the best crowd base and best fan base. It kind of helped out that a buddy of mine was fighting on the same card that night, and he's a firefighter as well. Nice. Um, so we had a lot of the uh, similar acquaintances. Plus, you know, we we put we put out a good fan base between the both of us. So it's pretty loud out there, and um, I got lots of love. I was really happy uh, that I was able to show up last or on Saturday night and uh, put up a good show for my fans. Yeah, it was super cool, and I liked uh, I like that you you have a training group that was that was there as well. Because when I got to watch. You know, I don't know anyone on the card besides you. So, it, I, like, I like that you posted, all right, you know, he, these are my four friends that are also going to be fighting that night. That way I had, like, a vested interest in the other fights and someone to cheer for as they were uh, going back and forth. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, each one of us, especially at our level, we're just trying to get our friends and family out there and as many as we can to cheer us on. You know, there's that – you know, that unspoken seventh man or, or, or 12th man, whatever sport it is. Um, when you got the crowd in your favor, sometimes that really helps out a lot when you're out there. Um, and it's, it can be an intimidation factor for the opponent, in my opinion. So I wanted to be sure that uh, everybody cheered for those guys that I, that I train with and work with and that have, you know, done their part in getting me ready to be out there as well. Nice. Yeah. So we're going to be talking a little bit more about mindset, a little bit about mixed martial arts, and then I'll also draw some lesson learned uh, for our obstacle course racing fans and how some of that stuff can be applied to obstacle course racing. But before we get that, that awesome. I want to jump back in time. Let's start off with when did you get involved in martial arts or combat sports? Uh, take me, let's start there. 
So, yeah, cool. Um, I started out as a kid, you know, just like everybody else I did. Uh, I grew up doing American Kettlebell Karate Association, AKKA. Um, did that for a few years when I was a kid. Uh, of course, drop out like most people do. Uh, <laughs> then as I became an adult, I got back into martial arts some, and I did a little bit over a year of uh, Kung Fu and saw some differences there. Got into doing that, enjoyed that. But then again, life gets in the way and I took a break. Um, and then uh, a few years back, I uh, just had a re-spark of interest and I met up with um, Aplom Martial Arts and my past experience gave me a bit of an advantage and advanced through the ranks quickly, became an instructor and uh, just just really fell in love with the martial arts for real this time. And uh, like I said, became an instructor and then opened up my own location when the time was right for that. And now here we are. Uh, throwing our hat in the ring at in the MMA fight. Yeah. So tell me about, you know, your so you it's always kind of been part of your life, I guess, in in the background and then what made you decide to like take the jump and op- like become an instructor and then open your own gym, right? Cuz that's a that's a huge step. Yeah, so I mean, I loved martial arts as a kid. It was awesome. Um, you know, we all my age, we grew up with Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris and all that. Um, so that was a, that was a big part of me when I was really young. Um, but as an adult, you know, I was really, really just busy, busy in my adult life. I owned a very successful tree service that I worked countless hours on, um, and then working full-time for the fire department. And so it's basically get up, go to work, go home, wake up and do it all over again. Just like, you know, every other hardworking American, um, so I needed something for me. I needed something that would give me that stress relief, that, uh, you know, that avenue to do something and feel like I was doing something like, you know, a lot of marathon runners and, and obstacle course runners and stuff like that. Um, you know, that was my my avenue for stress relief. So I jumped back into the martial arts um, and, you know, I just like I said, I fell in love with it. And I started spending a lot of time focusing on it, practicing it and things like that and uh, as I advanced to the ranks I was asked to basically become basically a mentor and I did that and I went through the extra training and uh, whatnot to become an assistant instructor and I spent a lot of time helping somebody else um, basically build up their location uh, and then I had the opportunity I was presented with the opportunity to buy into the franchise that I'm currently with Aplom Martial Arts and at first I was like, no, this is a bad idea. I'm too busy as it is. <laughs> but uh, I was spending, you know, 20, 30 hours a week helping another location. So I said, hey, let's give this a shot. And I did. And the rest is history now. Now I've got a fantastic location. We've grown immensely. I've got the best students I could ask for, man. And uh, we we just changed our location. We just went from a, a small 1,000 square foot building to um, we took over two locations of somewhere else. And now we're in like a 2,800 square foot building. It's freaking amazing. It's a lot of fun in there. Yeah, uh, so that's, that's kind of how we got in there. I've seen some pictures of your new location online. It looks, it looks phenomenal. I have not been there yet, but uh, it yeah, looks really to, nice. Yeah. You're going to have to throw on the gee, come in and check it out. And yeah. Class with us. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. So when you first opened the gym, um, you, you still had the tree 
tree business, right? You, you had kept one foot in each world. Did you did you make sure the the martial arts was going to be successful as a business before you completely pushed the uh, that behind? You know, that's exactly what I did. That was the plan. Um, COVID was fantastic for my tree service. We exploded um, and did a lot of business. Um, I mean, I, we were grossing basically about $800,000 a year, um, which which was a good income for me. It was my wife's full-time job too. Um, I employed seven full-time people, employees and all that. Um, but, you know, part of the growing pains with COVID was is um, employees got harder and harder to deal with. And I started to see that. So opening up the martial arts dojo was an avenue of escape from the the uh, the tree industry. Uh, but yeah, the plan was is to build it up and get it to where I wanted before I stepped out from the trees. And uh, because I, you know, I am a full time firefighter as well, and then doing two other businesses was really, really hard and complicating. Um, I was literally waking up from the fire department, which we do 24 hour shifts. Um, I, I would get up at 6 AM and go in and do tree work from seven, whether that be the physical labor itself or, uh, bids, paperwork, meeting with people, whatever it was, um, from 7 AM to 4 PM. And then I'd go from 4 PM to 9 PM teaching at the dojo. And then I'd wake up and, you know, I was literally going home to tuck my kids into bed and have dinner and go to bed and get up and do it over again. Uh, so it was, it was uh, a point where the tree service was suffering because I was spending time at the dojo trying to grow that. And then the dojo was suffering because I couldn't spend the time doing the marketing and the building relationships and stuff like that. Um, so there was a point where I had to make a decision on whether I was going to do the lucrative tree service that I had grown to hate or uh, risk it all and shut down the tree business and commit to growing the dojo. And I did the latter. I shut down the tree service and we took off doing the martial arts and uh, it's, I don't regret it at all now. Nice. Yeah. I'm always, I was kind of just kind of curious, you know, there, there's some people who, when they go into start their own business or become part of a business, they're like, Oh no, burn the ships uh, type mentality where they're like, before they have like any sort of things established, they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to quit my job and do this full time. It's like, I don't, I don't know. I'd probably get, I'd probably get at least the, the wheels turning first before I kind of <laughs> jumped in, but I, I'm a little more risk averse when it comes to business and financial decisions. Yeah, I, I'm 100% like, that's my wife. She, uh, she wants to plan and weigh things out and things like that. And I've, uh, I've got a saying that I've kind of adopted. I don't know if I, if I created it or if I heard it somewhere and adopted it or what, but, um, I'm kind of a believer in what I tell my students and, and some other business professionals is, is you really find out what a man is capable of when they put themselves in a position where they have no other option, but to succeed. Yeah. And, uh, that was uh that was the case for me. I mean, I put all my eggs in one basket and it was succeed or sink. And so it was a burn the ships because we ain't going home. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. All right. Now tell me a little bit about the right. So you doing great with the martial arts, black belt, um, had some training history and some other stuff. Talk to me about the decision being like instead of just being a teacher and running a dojo, I'm gonna step in the ring and complete compete in mixed martial arts. Talk to me about that decision and your kind of your mindset and 
behind it. Dude, it's it's kind of wild because um, I I'm telling you right now I'm way too old for this. I'm 37. Um, <laughs> I just turned 37. So side then, side note when the when they put up your age on the screen it said 24 at the fight. I, I saw that. It's a, uh, somebody stopped me in the crowd and they they grabbed my gray hairs and my beard and they're like, I don't think you're 24. And I was <laughs> like, Do I look five foot eleven either? <laughs> Uh, I'm yeah, the, five the, seven. I'm nowhere the, near five eleven. The guys next to me were like, "I don't think he's twenty four. I was like, "No, nah, he's got like a kid in high school. I'm I'm pretty sure he's not twenty four. Like, yeah, my son turns eighteen uh, next month. <laughs> um, no, they got it right on the uh, on the other everything else, but they messed it up on the uh, television prompt screen. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, so I mean, so I was looking for my son a fight because he's i mean he's good honestly there's some days where i think he's better than me Um, i've only i've sparred with him and he's it it, it was rough (laughs) i was like what in the heck so dude i remember that i remember that yeah we had a uh, a couple impressed we had a couple of good sparring matches that was uh that was fun right yeah Uh, i can remember both times both in the park and then uh had a really high rank test yep Um, yeah but yeah, so I was looking for him for a fight and Loki kind of looking for one for me as well. Um, I just didn't want to advertise it as that, you know. Um, so there was kind of this part of me that was just like, man, I've been teaching this martial arts. Am I that, you know, am I that gimmicky guy that really isn't isn't capable and just, uh, you know, pretends or whatever? Um, so there's a bit of a, an ego thing, a pride thing. And I wanted to see what I got. Yeah. And, uh, the the first one. Um, so, so this group that I first reached out to kind of just threw me in the pit and it was a way in a weight class that I shouldn't have been in against an opponent that I shouldn't have fought. Um, and it did not go well for me. Um, so it was, it was just kind of a, test of i wanted to figure out who i was and if i could do it and i don't know i don't want to say like a midlife crisis or something like that (laughs) but i mean i just you know i wanted to see what i had and yeah uh, i trained hard and that first fight did not go the, the, the way that i wanted um and it was hard on me man it was depressing so i started to wonder like am i a fraud am i teaching something that's not applicable is it am i not a good fighter am i not a good martial artist Mm. um and i was in depression for like three weeks man it was it was hard um and then you know it it was i had to decide you know if i was going to let that one loss dictate who i was or if i was going to become somebody else you know if i was going to become that person that i encourage my students to be and uh you know we put the nose back to the grindstone and went at it yeah and then how did your uh, how did your next uh, I mean we mentioned it already but how did the next fight go? The next fight was fantastic. Um, I came out and I pretty much dominated the fight. Um, one big problem that I had in my first fight was jitters and like I go back and I look at the first fight and I watch it and I'm like wow I'm watching how I'm moving and jerking and like not moving and I'm like that is not who I am. Um, and then the second fight you know I was able to kind of bring that down a little bit and control that a little bit better. Yeah, um, so we the second fight we went out and pretty much dominated the second one and it was fantastic and i mean i cut 20 pounds to to fight people my size more yeah in a weight class according to me and that that's that's a huge difference my first opponent had 11 inch reach on me 
Um, so that was a, yeah, that was a bad decision on my part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, was, well, that's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody's got reach on me. I've got abnormally short arms, even for my short height. Um, but, uh, how tall are you just for the, to, the crowd? I'm five foot seven and I have a 64 inch reach. Um, and to put that into comparison, like women in the UFC that are five foot four, five foot five have like a 67, 69 inch reach. So I'm sitting here with a 64 inch reach and it, uh, it's, it does not, I mean, you think it doesn't matter, but it matters. It matters a lot. <laughs> yeah, that definitely does. Absolutely. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how I got into it. Gotcha. Interesting. Uh, talk to me about like the mindset before your fights, right? So I mean, um, for obstacle course racing, right? We're we're not. It's not just one on one. Typically, there's typically a crowd. Um, you know, I'm racing with a group, but um, you know, we I, we do play a, a big emphasis on mindset going into a race. So like, talk to me about your mindset going into a fight, whether it be the second or third fight, and um, kind of how that plays out. So I think my first fight, man, I was just too stupid to be uh, super nervous. Um, I was like, I'm going to go out here and, and go after it. And uh, I took a big ego hit. Like I said, man, I failed hard. Um, and it, it hurt me. Yeah. I struggled with it. And then, uh, so the second fight, I had this, I must win mentality. Like I, and it wasn't so much like, because I needed to prove myself to everybody else, but I needed to prove myself to me. Um, I was stressed out and my son fought on the same card. Um, his opening, his debut fight was on the same card as my last fight, my second fight. Um, so I was stressed out watching him fight. And then it was me. And I had this, I cannot lose again. Um, and all these people are here to watch me. My students are here to watch me. Um, I, I can't fail. And like, I was sick, man. I let it, I let it control my emotions and, and who, how I felt like to the point to where right before I went out, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go home. <laughs> I want to leave right now. And I remember walking out to the cage, just shaking and, and nervous and all these people and I remember thinking, like literally thinking to myself when the cage latched, I don't want to be here, but in 30 seconds, there's a fight happening. And, uh, you know, I was like, I'm not doing this again after this. But then after after the stoppage and climbing up on that cage and, you know, getting that first victory is the is the best feeling in the world. Um, second to know, you know, being a father. Um I jumped up there and it was just, it was knowing that I could overcome my failures um, was amazing. And then it's that, it's that daily grind that keeps me going and pushing and keeping myself in check. But so far, man, those nerves don't go away. The, the, my fight this Saturday, you know, I saw my opponent, I felt confident. Um, I felt confident in my camp and I felt confident in my skills and what I had been building on. Um, I went and trained with some UFC fighters and coaches in, in uh, Texas while I was preparing for this fight. Um, and I just, I felt really good, but still those nerves were like, it wears you down. It exhausts you. Like you're getting ready to step in the cage. And you're like, damn, I'm already tired, man. Um, but 
once you start getting in there, even up to walking in, once 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 you start going though and you land a couple strikes and a couple things go your way, that confidence builds and that confidence builds and that confidence builds. Um, you know, and I would kind of say in the way of I remember the first time I did a tough mutter. Um, I was like, there's no way I'm doing 10 miles here. I'm going to die on the thing. But, you know, you knock out a couple obstacle courses and you're like, okay, I can do this. All right. This ain't so bad. I got this. Yeah. Uh, um, so, I mean, to compare to those, the athletes that, you know, are probably listening to this podcast, I'm sure it's very similar to that. Yeah. Now the, I mean, you hit, you said a lot of things that I completely agree with and I think it hit really close to home. Um, you know, like to me, if you're if you're not failing at things, you're probably not setting big enough goals, whatever whatever that may be, right? You're gonna you're gonna hit some failures along whatever your career or personal goal path is, sports, uh, hobby, martial arts, whatever that may be. Um, and then what really matters is kind of like what you do next, right? Do you um, if it's something you want, do you get back up and do you pursue it and work even harder for the next time? I know I've. I've had some pretty awful failures. My first appearance on Ninja Warrior was a complete disaster when I got up and went back and did it. <laughs> I remember you telling me about that. Oh, it was like the worst. Yeah, it was just the worst. And um, I've mean, competed here on TV, on national TV too. It's not like oh, yeah. I'll just hide. It's like oh well, everyone saw that. Um, yeah. And and you don't have control of the footage, right? Like I don't know what they all they do a lot of interviews beforehand, so I don't know what they're gonna put out. And that's what for like three months after that, because we air it, it, we filmed it and then it took like three months to air. I was like, I had no idea what they're going to say about me, you know? And they try to like get you to talk yourself up really big. And they're like, that's not really me, right. but you want to give the producers what they want. Right. Oh, what a disaster. Um, and I've, and I've I mean, the hardest the, part. Yeah. Go for is it. All the work that you've put in so much it. work, so many hours, so much prep work that you've put into it. So much like hours of, not sleeping at night thinking about it and then you choke <laughs> yeah 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 uh, no, i know that's the story of my life yeah so, so when i when i talk i give a lot I, I speak to a bunch of high schoolers i've been uh this year i don't know how many classes i've taught i don't know 15 or so um at various high schools across the country new york and uh missouri and i talk about like my background in the military my background in ultra sports and you know, I talk about failure and I, I use the Ninja Warrior example um, and I use the like all the persistence of like continually working towards your goal as like major life lessons that I've taken from military, from obstacle course racing and now into like martial arts and uh, just in life in general, like all that stuff applies. And when I if you're not nervous going into something big, you probably either either like you're too stupid to understand what's going on or you you don't care right. about it enough you know right so i mean I, I still get nervous walking up to uh like major ultra obstacle course races i'm like oh man you know and similar feelings right like there are times i walk up to the start line of a 12 hour race and i'm like i do not want to be here like this is like i'm about to make yeah. myself suffer for 12 hours and it is it is not going to be pleasant uh i'd rather right. just go to sleep <laughs> So, yeah, I just had a friend actually less than a week ago text me and it was unrelated to this current, um, you know, what we're talking about. But he texts me and he asked me, he goes, how do you keep going when it's hard? And then he's like, I have to make decisions that are hard right now. And some of them are going to be put me in an uncomfortable position. You know, number one thing that I said is, you know, we're adults. We have to do hard things. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, and then I also explained, you know, my faith. I have a lot of a lot of faith in Jesus Christ and my religion. And I I seek that for comfort. Um, And I have a great support group and my wife and the things that I do. Uh, But, you know, something that I told him was this growth doesn't happen in your comfort zone. If you're staying in your comfort zone, you're not going anywhere. If you want to succeed in anything in life, you have to get out of your comfort zone. Um, otherwise, I mean, what, what are we doing? (laughs) We're just coasting and you're just, you're not, you're not going to progress. You're not going to grow. You're not going to learn how to do better things. Um, something that I always tell my students is, is, um, we do hard things so we can do hard things. Yes. I mean, that's just how it is. Yes. I love it. Love it. Again, just just knocking things out of the park here with a lot of your comments here. I just redesigned uh, my website a couple months ago when I had to change hosting companies, and it now essentially is fitness, fighting, and faith. And I have like three main oh, sections, nice. sections of the website, right? Because that's I feel like my whole life has been built upon that. Um, and when I say faith, it also I would, I'd also include like my family in there, but I'm not gonna have like a sure. I'm not gonna have post details about my family <laughs> online. Uh, yeah, but like. Fair that structures um and and for me like my faith is the is the foundation of everything and then everything kind of builds off of that so um yeah love love you sharing that stuff with us absolutely yeah so what's the uh what does the future look like right so we mentioned your age not not the youngest fighter um you know is is this are we good with our two and one are we gonna continue to pursue this are we gonna uh just what does it look like no, man, we're not done. Uh, I'm enjoying it a little too much right now, um, which sucks because it does consume a big part of my life. Um, it's it's no joke training for this stuff. Like you have to put a lot of time and effort into it. Um, but uh, I'm in I'm in okay shape right now. Like I've got some old pre existing injuries that kind of limit me, but I'm gonna keep going until uh, until I can't. Not necessarily until I can't, but I've got a couple goals that I've created. You know, originally it was a one and done. I need to test my ego and go and be done. Um, but then I grew this passion, this love, and there's just something that, you know, I'm a firefighter. I'm a risk taker. I like yeah. doing stupid stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm going to continue to do these stupid things for a little bit. Um, right now, I'm actually going to uh, step up the training level a little bit. Um, in Missouri, technically you're supposed to have a minimum of five amateur fights before you go pro. Um, so my goal is, is I would like to, uh, I'd like to get about six or seven, maybe eight amateur fights. And then I would like to go one pro fight. And then I would probably like to hang it up win or lose. Um, but I want to be able to say, you know, I fought MMA professionally. Um, there's not very many people that can say that they ever fought and then let alone say that they got paid to fight. Um, and so one, I think it's, uh, it's a good testament my students um, I'm learning a lot while I'm training for this stuff um, it's making me a better instructor it's making me a better martial artist um, so you know I am hoping to now pending all of this is I do have a career as a firefighter and I do own a business so if I, I've, I've promised my wife that if if a serious injury arises that puts me down for a couple months then I'm gonna say when and step away um, because I do have, I, I, I'm an old man at, in this <laughs> game. I've got yeah. obligations and I've got, uh, 
I've got a family to take care of and a career to take care of. I can't, uh, I can't screw that up chasing a hobby and having fun doing stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you said, yeah. I, I totally identify with basically everything you just said. You know, when I, in back in 2000, see, it was 11. I told my wife I was going to be a professional athlete and she's like, in what sport? I was like, I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. She's like, <laughs> I'm going to find something. And like my, my, my definition of professional was fairly loose. Right. So it doesn't mean I was going to play in the NFL or the N, uh, major league baseball, but it was like, it's like I want to at some point be be paid to do a sport. That's was like my definition of professional. Like receive monetary compensation for going out and doing a sport. And it took me a while to find obstacle course racing. About uh four three or four years later, <laughs> but I found it and uh, things kind of things kind of worked out well. And you also sound like a lot of athletes I know where it's like, oh man, I just want to I just want to do this. I just want to win that one race. And you win, and you're like, right? Mm, I got a taste of victory. That that felt good like right let's see what else i can do and or, or defeat in my case yeah. yeah yeah um but it's a slippery slope it's a slippery slope but i I'm, I'm glad you got a that sounds like a pretty solid plan and um i'm telling you right now i think uh your your sport is way more dumb than mine man you're running for <laughs> 24 hours at a time sometimes that doesn't even make nonsense <laughs> yeah i've had this same conversation with other mma fighters um i i went on a trip with a sounds like a sort of a bad joke an mma fighter a strong man and myself and the three of us were arguing <laughs> over who has the dumbest sport and there i was outvoted two to one that it was me oh yeah it's definitely you <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh uh, yeah all right i see what you're saying so uh, i'm out on that like if if my coach says we gotta run more than two or three miles i'm starting to get pissed off <laughs> yeah yeah good stuff Awesome. So let's uh let's plug your business a little more. I want to give people a let us know where it's at. Yeah, uh, and um, you know, let's say someone wants to get them or their kids involved in martial arts. Like, how do they find you? Or if they're not in your area, gym like yours. So we're in the Kansas City, Missouri metro area. Um, we have five locations in the metro area with our uh, with our brand name, our our Plum Martial Arts. Um, I run the Casey North location, um, which is close to Staley High School. I'm the only independently owned uh, franchisee right now, um, but you know we all basically teach the same part. Now, what I what I love about how I teach is is like um, we have a generalized curriculum. We have uh, you know a basic style that we teach under. Um, but I get a little bit of leeway on how I get to teach it. Although, you know, all of us are very similar. Um, we all basically teach the same stuff, just different avenues. What I love about our martial arts is, um, you know, we derive from what's called Shaolin Kempo, as you know, because you've been a part of this. Yeah. Um, we derive from Shaolin Kempo, which is a kind of a mixed martial arts in itself. Um, it's a it's a mixture of Chinese Kempo um with american kickboxing boxing um, a bit of kung fu in there karate and then we mix in jiu-jitsu ground combat but when our grandmaster the founder of our organization stepped away from the from well we're, we don't need to name names but stepped away from the the uh the chain group that they were with um because of the way that it was going um he 
took it to the next level and kind of made it his own as well and kind of took out a lot of the gimmicky uh, martial arts and put in the real-life application. So what I really love about ours is we do have the traditional martial arts that you would see. You know, we start off with the basics. We have the forms. We have the katas, the the tempos, the defensive techniques, all that stuff. Um, but we took out a lot of the BS stuff that just doesn't make sense in real life uh, um, application. And um, so we have the discipline and the traditions of uh, old school karate. And then we have the the adaptations of what's real life now, because I mean, we know that kickboxing and boxing is a big part of real fighting and, and self-defense. And then fights go to the ground most of the time. So then you have to have that ground combat and that mixture of jujitsu and stuff like that. Um, and me uh, being an MMA fighter, I adapted even a little bit further on. I want that real life stuff. I want that applied as much as I can while still giving my students the, you know, the Kung Fu magic of, of uh, the traditional martial arts. So I feel like that's why I have a lot of success in my dojos because um, we, we have that traditionalism. We have that real life application. We have that students that are just coming in because they want to be physically fit and they want to be empowered and they want to feel like they're learning self-defense and they want their kids to, um, learn that discipline and the focus and um, being able to follow directions and learn all at the same time. So we, man, I hear all the time that, oh, I'm too old for this or I'm too young for this or whatever. But this is truly for everybody. I've got students from four years old to 84 years old. And there really is just something for everybody. Um, I, that's why I do it. I love it, man. We can just help so many people. And I I can't tell you how many times that I have that pride and that sense of happiness and accomplishment when I have, you know, these really older students that come in and are like, sensei, thank you so much. I've got better balance. Um, I'm able to work better and I feel better throughout the day. And then I've got these parents that come in and they're like, my six-year-old's more focused in class now and the the phone calls have stopped. Um, and I see them improving and, and their balance and their weight and their life and all these different things. And just martial arts is a great avenue for anybody. And you don't have to be a cage fighter. I can tell you right now, not one of my students probably is ever going to step into the cage so far, hmm. except for maybe my son. Um, he already has, I guess. So that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, most people don't get into traditional martial arts to become a fighter. And I'll right. tell you right now, most people that think that they want to do MMA don't know what they're talking about. They, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you the number of people that have, or I can't tell you the number of people that have come into our MMA room and they get punched in the face a few times. And they're like, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. This is not <laughs> so, one. <laughs> yeah. They're there for two weeks and they're out that you never see them again. Um, that's, that's not uncommon. Um, so, I mean, but we offer what anybody wants. You want to be a cage fighter? I'll teach you a fight in the cage. If you want to be really good at katas and forms and just super flexible, I'll teach you all the forms that we have. If you want to just learn how to defend yourself and your family and know what to do if you're ever in an altercation while getting in shape and having fun, man, we will teach you that too. Uh, it's 
it's just there's endless application for everybody in there. There's no reason, no reason you should not do martial arts. I could tell you that. It doesn't matter if you've got an injury. It doesn't matter if you have problems. Um, it doesn't matter, you know, if you have discipline issues. We need you even more if you have discipline issues. Um, uh, doesn't matter if you have a firearm because I can tell you that only goes so far as well. That's right. Um, Happy to prove that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we so the the other become one of the companies I help work for and write podcasts or do podcasts and articles for Tika Tactics. And then my, on the military side of combatives, like I, we get that all the time. Oh, I got a gun. It's like, you man, you won't get to the gun because the attack is going to start so close. Absolutely. And yeah. you won't be able to even reach it. Like I, I will, I will have you mounted and be punching your face in before. Um, right. You know, so the, the, even the, the weapons courses we teach for like Tika Tactics, it's, we spend, we'll do a weekend seminar and spend 75, 80, 90% of it focused on just getting the weapon employed, right? Yeah. Like, um, because if, if you can't employ the weapon, who the hell cares what you got in your waistline or on your pocket or on your keychain? you know, so. Right, so I mean, I, I carry myself and I just, I remember hearing all these people always say that like when we're at, at uh, events and stuff like that and we're doing our marketing, we're like, oh, I've got Smith & Wesson. Well, that's cool. Um, I want the average person, the average trained person that practices this takes approximately three seconds to draw their gun it's like 3.1 is the average um that's a long time just walking just walking i can walk about 16 feet in 3.1 seconds and that's uh i mean you better be running because i'm gonna be running and i'm gonna throw knees and i'm gonna punch you in the face and jump on top if i was an attacker and through all that time, you have to fumble to try to, you know, pull from your waist, your back, your purse, whatever it is, a weapon. Um, so, you know, I mean, like I said, I carry, but I still want to be good hand combat combatant too. Yeah, that was a really good answer. You actually answered a lot of my next follow-up questions regarding like, you know, what age ranges are there and stuff like that and the value of uh, kind of traditional martial arts. And you also explained a plum a lot better than I could have, obviously, because you're you're part of the business, but uh, you explained yeah, it really well and kind of like hit on a lot of the reasons why I was attracted to that as like one of my, or my first kind of martial arts school as an adult. So. Um, yeah. Well, at least I made your job a little bit easier then. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's, know, uh, I mean, it's who I am. So I get good at explaining that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. And that those comments about like people want to do, people want to be an MMA fighter until they like see what being an MMA fighter is all about and the, the hard work and the pain and the struggle that goes into it. Um, and I see that all the time at, you know, at the competitive gym at work, we, we, we have free every day at lunchtime. We have free training completely free for any soldier on base. We've got 10,000 soldiers on base. I run into guys all the time, see my shirt, see my jacket. And they're like, Oh man, I want to come train. All right, cool, man. Here's the times. Here's where we're located. Show up. It's free. And, uh, everyone in the building, super friendly. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely be there. They don't show up over and right. over again. Yeah. Over and over again. It's just like, yeah, right. yeah. It's like the yeah. same the same crew that's there all the time. And we're super friendly when new people come in. And uh, a lot of them, they, we're not even doing like, there's like very little sparring. It's, it's mostly, we're doing a lot of jujitsu and um, pad work and stuff like that. And still people are, uh, the, just the sheer volume of hard work. It just scares people off right away. So. Yeah. And I mean, it's, that's, that's only the tip of the iceberg too. Like number one, it's always, you know, let's, 
let's not tomorrow, how not the next day. Let's have day one. That's the hardest part is just getting there and getting started. But for anybody that takes any sport or anything seriously, like especially if you want to be a professional or not just completely get obliterated, training is like sometimes the easiest aspect. Um, there's so much more that goes into the prep to be a a serious high performance level athlete. I mean, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't go out partying, I don't go out late at night with friends. Yep. Um, yep. yep. I mean, oh, I'm yeah. too old for that, anyways. But I, uh, I mean, I spend. I can't tell you that. Well, you know, if you, what you do, the amount of money that I spend on nutrition and the time of prepping and and planning out meals and making sure that I'm eating right and that I'm um, balancing my body correctly between training, overtraining, not training enough, um, you know, trying to make sure that I get enough sleep and just everything. There's so many things. And then there's the mental aspect of it. There's the, um, the recovery side of it. There's so much that goes into play with being a uh, a combat sports athlete or or a marathon runner, a professional athlete of any sort. If you want to be the best that you can, it's expensive, it's time consuming, it's dedication. Like like David Goggins says, like you become obsessed to the point where other people don't understand, and they yep. never will. <laughs> they, they don't understand unless they do it. Yes. A hundred percent agree. Love, love every, that was all one for one transferable over to obstacle course racing. Right. I mean, you can, all of those, you know, it, it needs to become all consuming if you want to really see what your true potential is and you need to do it for a very long time. Um, yeah. Train and compete to see, you know, how high you can actually make it. Otherwise you're, you're self-selecting, you're stopping short uh, based off your own uh, perceived uh, ceiling, which is not pro- close to your actual ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. And if you ever need that extra motivation, I'm sure you have brought it up in one of your past podcasts, but that David Goggins book, You Can't Hurt Me or Can't Hurt Me is amazing. It'll get you motivated. That's for sure. Yeah, he's good. I I, I agree. He's a little harsh for my uh, my tastes, but I agree. Yeah. With all, I agree with his message. Like his messages when he says stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what the voice in my head is saying. I don't say it out loud because yeah, yeah. it makes people angry <laughs> when I say yeah, yeah, like absolutely. That. So, but there's yeah. a you know, there's. I'm not going to say everything that he says is gospel. And there's some things that I don't, I don't agree with. And I wonder what kind of personal life he, well, he probably doesn't have a personal life because of his obsession. Um, so if you want to stay married, you know, he even says it in his book, <laughs> there's times you got to check out and uh, uh, dedicate time to family and stop being so obsessed. But I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of motivating and truthful things that he says in there. Yeah. And that's just, so, uh, we're kind of heading down this route, but that's something for, for those who are like pursuing a professional or a high level and want to get sponsorships or uh, mon- or compensated, there's like a whole nother avenue of stuff you have to do, right? Like, so when I, when I watched your fights and I, so I went through all, all the guys that were, you were friends with, I went and like found them on social media or I found most of them, I think. Um, and I followed I saw them. that. That was cool. So I followed them and I was like tagging them in the, uh, in the stories and a lot of them have like very little social media profiles, and especially when it comes to fighting, right? If if fighting is you so, something you want to do and get sponsored and stuff like that, and um, the the only guy I saw the entire night who appeared to do sponsorship well was uh what was his name? 
Um, something Hicks. Uh, give me one second. I have the card. Uh, Tyson. Tyson Hicks. Tyson Hicks. So Tyson Hicks yeah. was the only dude. He walked out like the old UFC fighters do with a banner with his picture and his name on it and then a bunch of sponsors on there. And I was like that. Yeah. I was like that man understands something. I didn't look him up on social media, but um, it's like almost yeah, so... a second career you have to do to like post about things daily, updates on training, reach out to sponsors, ask for sponsors, T-shirts, and blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah, so he's professional, and it's a little bit easier to uh, to get some sponsorship when you're already a pro. Um, but, you know, that's, that's something that I kind of played around with when I first started, and I ended up getting one sponsorship. Um, and then I lost, and I was like, man, I don't want to be proposing people for sponsorships after losing mm-hmm. Um, and then part of it was, you know, I just wanted to focus on my training and all that stuff. Uh, but it is like, there's, there's classes, there's seminars, there's all kinds of things that you can do. Um, but it is a lot of work to do sponsorship. Like you have to reach out to all these people. You got to form relationships. You got to, um, get banners ready. You got to get shirts and clothing ready. You got to do podcasts. You got to do shout outs on social media for these people you have to you have to give them reasons um to want to sponsor you and but like my wife was telling me like hey you keep doing this and training like you are you're gonna need to find some sponsors (laughs) because it is expensive like i flew down to texas and uh uh, spent three days in texas training with a a couple of ufc well a ufc coach ufc fighter um number 10 flyweight tim elliott um and uh number seven band or uh featherweight 145 pounder in bellator Mm. um and just tremendous training down there um but that stuff all adds up so quick and you know like i said i bet i spend four or five hundred dollars a month on supplements just protein creatine glutamine um diet nutrition stuff things like that it's it's easy to add up quick yeah so i'm gonna so i I actually just recently wrote a book called the sponsored athlete it has a bunch of training tips and uh, like methods for getting sponsored and a lot of it's written from the obstacle course racing perspective but it can apply to any sport it can apply to hobbies it can apply to fighters etc so i'm going to send you a copy of my book um i'm going to get your address after this and then um if you ever, if I'm ever in Kansas City and you want me to swap by and talk to some of the other fighters about some of the sponsorship, I'd be more than willing to do that. Uh, try to help out some of the guys. So I've been getting product sponsorships usually a lot easier than getting monetary sponsorships, but um, yeah, I've got yeah techniques, techniques and stuff like that for doing both. That uh, um, it's good, good understanding to have and kind of you know, and and for some people, getting out, reaching out, and getting sponsorships may not be worth their time and effort, right? Like you might be better off just working another shift at whatever job you have. Um, right. But, you know, personally, I find I like, I like having some of that additional um, pressure and a, like responsibility because it makes me be like, okay, well, I know, now I know someone is watching me um, instead of just right. random people on social media. So it gives me uh, reason to continue to train a little bit harder and perform continually. So. Yeah. Ahead. And the ones that want to make it professional, like get past the, you know, there's there's pro, and then there's like high level pro, and then there's UFC for fighters level. So like, if you want that, I mean, having those sponsorships that's gonna help out. 
because let's be honest, like these upper level fighter fighting promoters, it's a business, man. And if you've already got yep. your name with other businesses and you're already pulling in money, that's the stuff they want to see because they know they're going to make money off of you. So yeah, that's stuff. I think that's, that's unfortunately that is a part of this business and you, you need to be good at that too. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We're going to start wrapping things up. So before we get going though, uh, tell us something people would be surprised to know about you. Oh, this is the one question you, uh, told me about and I the only que- the only question i told you about ahead of time everything else is off the cuff i know i feel like i had an answer and then uh threw me for a loop um you know one thing that i think is kind of surprising about me is um you know i'm probably not the best at always displaying it um uh, but i'm a pretty religious person um uh, and this is kind of a weird sport to be religious in and something that i struggle with um because uh you know my relationship with my heavenly father is important. Um, and I tried, you know, when I got into fighting, it really was, I, so I used to watch USC and think it was disgusting. Like these people are out here trying to hurt each other and injure each other. And, uh, you know, years later after I, um, got into martial arts, I really realized that it's, it's truly just a test of skill. And these people are, uh, displaying their trade. They're displaying what they're good at and putting it to the test. Um, and, you know, me figuring out how do I apply this or how do I make this okay was tough. Um, but there's a lot of like, there's a lot of trials and things that I've had to push myself through spiritually. Um, and, you know, one of the hardest things is, is mentally like my job when that bell rings is to go out and cause physical harm to, to the person across from me. Um but, you know, there's other aspects in there that are able to to relate to to uh, my religious beliefs and affirmations. And um, so, you know, it is possible to to do that, to still be able to have faith and and to test, you know, your skills in a combat sport. Um, but I just I do think that, that, you know, a lot of people think it's a, a bloodlust gladiator sport. some some very edifying um aspects and concepts to the sport yeah now i we had a uh, josh quayhagan who's a karate combat fighter uh, on a couple of months ago and very very similar okay. he's uh his his like nickname in karate combat's the preacher because of all the essentially religious work he does on the side and charity work and stuff like that so um, awesome we had a similar conversation and um yeah i think uh I think I think it fits in better than I think most people would expect um, the discipline. And I think a lot of the discipline carry like if you're disciplined in your your train up and stuff like that, a lot of that can carry over into other parts of your life. Right. And if you have an outlet for, um, you know, expressing yourself and an outlet for training and getting rid of like excess energy, I feel like that for me, that like makes me calmer on the outside. Um, if I'm well, I, I go and I train, you know, an hour where I'm rolling around doing jujitsu with guys. And then, uh, like, why would I have a need to fight someone if I fight? To, I'm fighting people right. literally every week in some sort of sparring format, whether it be striking or grappling. Um, on on my side, I I'm very I really like knives, uh, so I I like bladed arts as well. So I study a lot of that on on the side, in addition to taking nice. Kali. 
And people, I get similar, like, well, how can you be like so obsessed with like stabbing and killing people and also be religious, <laughs> right? Like, it's like, right. I mean, you start looking through some of my YouTube history and you're like, I, mm, I, I think you're on a watch list someplace. It's like, well, because of my job in the military, I think I'm already on a watch list. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I think it's, uh, there's this, different level of humility once you're trained and you've put yourself to the test like you know there's always that that chip on your shoulder and that you know especially to me being a little guy and people used to always mess with me and stuff like that um you know you want to you want to pick that fight and you want to defend yourself or, or stand up for yourself or whatever and i feel like i got a little more humility now that i'm trained i fought i've done these things and people want to chirp or say something it's just like yeah, whatever i can deal with you if i wanted to um, right. so there's just i don't know like there's a different level of humility now yeah no i, I agree i agree yeah and for me as in, in like being a military member the i feel like a lot of the violence i i teach myself or learn from online or learn from instructors it comes from a place of like love like i want to I want to stop evil and in whatever yeah. form I, that may be in. And I'm not going around picking fights in the streets. Right. I'm um, right. You know, the, the ability to be kind, I'm kind because it's, it's a choice, right? I have the, I have the ability to do great violence, but I'm choosing not to do that. I'm choosing to be kind all the time. So. Yeah. That's something that I just started, uh, start, I adopted and started having my students say at the end of class, my younger ones is, um, I make them raise their hand and repeat, I promise to ne never use what I've learned today except to defend myself and those that can't defend themselves. Nice. And uh, I think that's a that's a good mentality to have. Amazing. Love it. All right. We're now we're actually gonna start wrapping it up. So final shout outs you want to give friends, family, sponsors, businesses, etc. Floor's yours. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, first and foremost, I always want to give that shout out to my wife who's uh, supported me in my crazy, crazy dreams and the burn the bridges attitude and everything that I do. Um, she's uh, she's always beside my side, um, despite, you know, the path that it could be down. She she is always reassuring and always knows that we're going to make it. Um, but always want to give a big thanks to uh, my instructors out of Aplomb, you know, Grandmaster and Master Bartlett, the founders of uh, AMA. Um, I'm grateful for my MMA coach, Rudy Bears, and the work that he's helped me with and my teammates there. I'm grateful for my strength and conditioning coach. Um, I've got a, a coach that's specifically um, MMA strength and conditioning, Kenny Dusalt. He's actually out of Canada, um, and he writes up all these virtual training lessons for me and stuff like that. It's fantastic. Um, so I, I'm grateful for all those that have that have put the effort into me and and helping me get where I am uh it really does like there's a lot of a lot of self discipline and and aspects in there but there's a lot of it takes a village to to complete the things that if you want to be great you got to surround yourself with people that are better than you and know more than you and all those things so uh yeah shout out to all those people and most importantly you know um Shout out to my fans that come out and support me all the time. I'm grateful for all of them as well. Nice. Good stuff. Well, I'm going to follow up some of those shout outs with the Blum uh, Martial Arts. If anyone's in the Kansas City area, check out their chain of gyms. And that's where I started training. That's how I met you. Um, 
trained with you a little Three bit. Three weeks. Come try it. Yeah. You were one of the, I think, five people in the room when I got my black belt, right? So, um, yeah, part, it was. Yeah. It was part pretty of a, awesome. Part of a big moment in like my personal history. So it was kind of, kind of cool to have that be a couple months ago and then see you out on in the cage fight. And it was, uh, worth the two hour drive and two hour back I made that night. Um, which is, oh man, I appreciate it. <laughs> the, the drive home was a bit rough. I was like, oh, I better get an energy drink. This is, this is, yeah, but uh, I made did it, you stay it, the whole night? I didn't even get to see you. Yeah, I stayed the whole night. I, I I showed up right before the first fight started and stayed until the last one. So yeah, they put you on the wrong side. So when I went to go say hi to all my people, you weren't there. <laughs> oh man, uh, oh well, it, it was cool. I made friends with the guys next to me. They seem they seem pretty chill, and I was I was near That's some cool. of your your friends' uh, fan base. Tori teammates, fans, good deal, good deal. Yeah, Tori Moore, his his fans were going nuts so they, they were entertaining to be by so that was pretty cool yeah tory's a great dude too he's an amazing fighter man when he figures it out he's gonna be unstoppable nice nice um so check out a blum master bartlett and uh sensei joe was was my teacher that location is no longer open but uh highly recommend your location if anyone's in the area in the kansas city area for anyone listening, again, this the sponsored athlete that book I mentioned earlier is available off my website. It's also off Amazon. Uh, my website's teamstrengthspeed.com. If anyone wants to hear more about some of my personal background, war stories from Iraq, et cetera, mindset and stuff like that, uh, you can pick up my biography, Ultra OCR Man. It's on hard copy, audible, and uh, digital. So also off my website, teamstrengthspeed.com, also can be found on Amazon. Uh, you guys can check those out. And then for those who want more like martial arts, self-defense related podcast content, I, uh, myself and Conrad Bowie and Patrick Wong from Tiga Tactics recently started the Tiga Tactics podcast. So you can head over and listen to that. It's on all the major streaming platforms. And our most recent episode was Kind by Choice, kind of the, some of the stuff we were talking about in this episode. So if you, we, you want to dive nice. a little bit deeper into that world, check out the Tiga Tactics podcast. I'll drop a bunch of links in the show notes down below. Check those out. I'll drop a bunch of links for... Uh, Anthony, some of your social channels and stuff like that, if people want to follow you and your uh, your martial arts dojo kind of link website there. All right. Sounds good, think, man. I think that's about it. Thanks again for joining me and taking the time and congrats on the fight. And we'll be uh, we'll be following along your journey from now on. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And good luck and whatever you got coming up next. All right. Sounds good. All right, brother.